0: It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's the sports, sports Rush, rush. With, with Brett Rump. Football, Max yeah. Landis. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, 11 yards, touchdown. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible. Over and over.
1: Well, you're half right. What is this, amateur hour? This is gonna be huge. I believe this is gonna be our final. hour. and this morning. Just when I think you've said the stupidest
0: thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The
2: simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Hey,
1: on a monday time to head home we've got one down four to go with this work week and this is the sports rush your daily local sports fix. four to six i am brett Rump, along with adam lundy and you are connected on the parkview sports medicine text line at 46862 questions comments or suggestions let us know what's on your monday sports brain fire away 46862 and in fact You know, we've got a four-pack of tickets to go to the Fort Wayne Boat Show, which is coming to the Coliseum. Do you know about that, Adam? No, I didn't. Four tickets, Boat Show, Coliseum, February 9th through the 12th. That is not this weekend, but it would be next weekend. And we have a four-pack of tickets that we are going to give away on this show today. And uh, time to come up with a clever word. And no, I'm not using boat. We've got to be better than that. I got one. Okay. Nautical. Oh, my goodness. Well, you're going to try to check spell check, see if we get nautical.
3: N-A-U-T-I-C-A-L.
1: Okay. You, uh, you've got it. I could see some misspellings with a couple of those letters. But nautical is... According to Adam Lundy, in other words, you win the spelling bee today, you also get four tickets (laughs) to the boat show coming up at the Coliseum. Four tickets. All you have to do is text the word nautical to 46862 on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. I mean, what could be a more boat-related word? Uh, I guess nautical. (laughs) Um, I'm... And
3: they're already pouring in. So, I mean, it looks like people people do know nautical. People do know how to spell it.
1: I would say, you know, that's probably a more popular word down in, you know, areas like, you know, the Carolinas, Florida, Texas, maybe. Uh, Well,
3: you know, if nautical nautical. nonsense be something
1: you wish. Nautical is today's key word. There you go. Your key to win is nautical. I feel like the password guy. (laughs) You ever watch the show Password? (laughs) I didn't. You never watch Password? No. Uh, there's been like uh, a second coming of Password that was just on recently, but uh, I used I grew up on the, the you know, and they they would always say the password is nautical, <laughs> and it's like they're being real quiet, right? Sure. Guy's yeah. probably in a soundproof booth, nobody can hear him. Mm-hmm. Probably even a- actually dubbed into the show later, but um, but anyway. Uh, today's word nautical text it to us 46862. We'll randomly select one of the texts that we receive to pick up those four tickets to the boat show coming to the Coliseum February 9th through the 12th. Well, the Colts still looking for a head coach. The field's starting to narrow a bit as now we're hearing about second interviews. Wink, speaking of growing up on old game shows, Wink Martindale is one of the first to get a second interview um you don't know wink martindale either no uh man i I gotta, I gotta we gotta bring one more person into this show that's like my generation so when i bring up topics that are like from the 70s and 80s i've actually <laughs> got someone that relates to me yeah. and understands what i'm talking about
3: what's the one where they go around the circle and they try to get no whammies <laughs> that uh uh that's press your luck oh i love press your yeah. luck i do i do like that one.
1: Oh my gosh
3: i just like it because of the whammy animations no whammy no whammy,
1: no whammy. <laughs> <laughs> um he hosted um what was it gambit 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 um wink martindale was a famous radio host back in like the 60s in los angeles then became a game show host on television of course you know those game show hosts You know how they do that? They film, like, six shows in a day. Yeah. So they can go in on a Saturday, bust out a whole week's worth of of shows, and still do their Monday through Friday DJ thing.
3: Maybe we should do that, Brett. Yeah, we'll
1: just... (laughs) We're we're available. Uh, We are uh, soliciting for weekend employment. If you've got a game show that needs to be hosted, we would be happy to help. Uh, But, um, no, that's what... uh, That's what he used to do. And then, of course, Chuck Woolery. I've heard the name. Uh, Of course, Alex Trebek. Yeah, of course. Uh, Was Jim Peck, was he the one who hosted Press Your Luck? Of course, Bob Barker, the most famous of them all. Yep, it was Jim Peck. And uh, Bob Barker? Classic. you know Bob Barker? Price is right, right? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. there you go. Okay. (laughs) It's still around, but... I thought yeah. maybe you only knew it with Drew Carey.
3: No, I I, I remember seeing uh, Bob when I was a little kid.
1: So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, the Colts looking for a coach and the process moving now into second interviews. One uh, person who will not be interviewed is D'Amico Ryans. It looks like he's probably tied into the Houston Texans job unless something collapses at this point. D'Amico Ryan's, of course, the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, The rule is that uh, now I I don't know if the Colts can interview him now that San Francisco lost. But I know going into the weekend, they could not schedule an interview until today at the earliest. uh, But that would only be if it was a second interview. If they'd already conducted their first interview, then they could schedule second interviews. But it does look like Ryan's is probably going to end up in Houston. I still prefer that the Colts hire an offensive coach. Now, one offensive coach is on the move, but not for a head coaching position. I don't know how surprised we are with this. It uh, Helen Moore from mm-hmm. the Dallas Cowboys yeah. is on his way to the Los Angeles Chargers after the Cowboys announced last night that uh, there was a mutual agreement to separate or to end employment. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of times you hear about that and you wonder how mutual it really is. Sure. I mean, is, is, it's many, kind of a blanket statement. Yeah, but how many employments end mutually? Yeah. You want to fire me? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to quit. Okay, then we mutually agree. And there it's over. Yeah. Um, But uh, Kellen Winslow, or Kellen Winslow, Kellen Moore (laughs) is on his way to the Chargers, where he will become the offensive coordinator for Brandon Staley. He probably looks at that and thinks, what a dream. I'm going to a place where the head coach might be on a warm seat. I'm going to have Justin Herbert as my quarterback. Not a bad gig. Uh, Loaded with offensive weapons. And so... uh, So he makes a move, but you've got, is it Shane Steichen? I don't know the pronunciation, but um, the offensive coordinator for the Giants, Raheem Morris, is still in the mix. Apparently, he is going to get a second interview with the Indianapolis Colts. And still a candidate, Jeff Saturday, for the long-term solution for the Indianapolis Colts. Yep.
3: I have one more for you.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, this came out uh, just before the show started. was going to drop it in headlines. Obviously, we had other things to get to, but the Colts are working on bringing Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan to Indy for a second interview. Could happen as soon as Wednesday, um, but the Arizona Cardinals are playing to also have him on Thursday. So, Brian Callahan
1: of oh, the Bengals. That might not be a bad choice. You said
3: you wanted some offense. There's an yeah. offensive coordinator.
1: Yeah. And uh, did a nice job developing young talent with a young quarterback in Cincinnati. And uh, that's probably the situation the Colts are going to find themselves in. <laughs> Unless Jim Irsay all of a sudden decides, well, Tom Brady's available? <laughs> get me Tom. Get, get me Tom on the line.
3: Yeah, um, we're getting a couple texts on the text line, 46862. Someone said, Jeff Saturday is going to get the job. I wish they would just get it over with.
1: I think it's still a process where they want to prove to Jim Ursay that they have done their work in finding a candidate that is better and they can take the evidence to Jim Ursay to convince him to change his mind.
3: I've heard that Brian Callahan has been kind of backed by Peyton Manning a little bit so that might be something that could convince Ursay.
1: That is definitely but but would Peyton Manning come out and endorse a guy that's going to take Jeff Saturday's job. I'm not Jeff sure. Saturday was his center throughout his career, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that that's that, that's yeah. a sticking point. I mean, Peyton Manning might endorse him for a job, but as far as a Indianapolis Indianapolis endorsement, and you know, it, it, he could do it maybe in general. Yeah, but I think it would be tough to get him to place a call to encourage Jim Mersey to make the move when. It would be in some way stabbing the back of Jeff Saturday, and I don't think Peyton Manning wants to get involved with that.
3: And then we were also reminded not to forget Richard Dawson of the (laughs) Match Game and Family Feud fame.
1: There you go. Um, And by the way, Peyton Manning's got a busy week this week, putting together his game plan for that huge Pro Bowl fiasco (laughs) that's taking place this weekend. The Pro Week or whatever it is now. uh, It's the flag football game, and Peyton Manning against his brother Eli as head coaches. Uh, How thrilled are you? Again, I'm not a big all-star game guy neither was
3: Shannon. yeah we were talking and, about well that. It,
1: here's my problem with all-star games is they were huge back in the 60s 70s even into the 80s because it was one of your only chances to see certain players go against other players on the same court. Um, you know you had a game of the week for baseball. And so often that one game that was selected on Saturday was going to be among a group of four or five teams because they were the best teams in the in the league, which meant there were a lot of really good players out there that played for other teams that you never had a chance to get national exposure for. And so the all star game got gave a baseball fan a chance to kind of know who these other guys are and see them play against each other and it was that way for basketball it uh and, and it's just gotten to a point now where we have so much exposure to these athletes does it matter that we see them play a meaningless exhibition game i i just i i don't know i don't know that it's got a purpose anymore i think now i i believe we should still recognize the players for the achievement of making a quote all-star game but maybe it should be in quotes and not actually have the game itself i mean when nba games end up 170 to 169 or whatever and in fact regular season games have almost gotten there at this point uh, especially pacers games you know it'd be a nice thing if pacers play defense once okay. <laughs> they're they're awful i mean take the over pacers take the over they don't defend anybody. Yeah, it's a young team. Milwaukee, you know? it's like a practice scrimmage against the Pacers yeah, defense. Yeah, that, that was rough. Uh, what did they score? 85 or something in the first half? Some, it was just awful. Yeah. But it, it's just, you know, there there's no point. Hockey is kind of the same way. And, and hockey, you can't even really see the players, number one. Number two, I don't know who the players are. But... I don't know. I'm I'm just not a big all-star game guy. Base baseball is the best of the competition. I think I heard Shannon say. Yeah, he he would agree with you there. Uh, it's the most competitive because guys come in, they pitch for one inning. Yeah, batters only get two or three times at the plate. They they want to you know they they want to be successful. Plus, they're playing for something as a team. But other than that, most of the games are absolutely meaningless four six eight six two parkview sports medicine text line girl sectionals get started tomorrow ready to start uh, ending the season of some while some will advance and of course we're going to have a huge game tomorrow night absolutely seven thirty approximately it will be the second game of the night taking place at huntington north high school as the homestead lady spartans will take on the columbia city lady eagles man what a matchup, state-ranked teams, and we'll be there for all the action tomorrow night. Not sure who's making the trip. Is it Mac? I believe it is, Mac. I'll do the research real quick for uh, you. And so join us right here for high school basketball girls sectional live from Huntington North tomorrow night uh, presented by Indiana Physical Therapy. Uh, 46862. Got any questions? Fire them away. We, we love to have questions. Oh, and don't forget, too, we are giving away. Four tickets to the Fort Wayne Boat Show coming to the Coliseum February 9th through 12th, which happens to be a week from this weekend. And if you'd like those four tickets, all you've got to do is text us the word nautical. Nautical. I like it. At, uh, can you use it in a sentence?
3: The decor of the seafood restaurant was nautical. <laughs> Country of origin? Greek coming from Nautilus
1: and now that actually might make sense I don't know I made that up but that I, was my, I, that was it my it closest actually guess. sounded pretty good Thank is you. that is that Latin or is that Greek it's probably Latin well because <laughs> I' I'm, I'm doing the old spelling bee thing you know sure they, they always ask all the questions like they already know how to spell the word but they've got to ask the questions because that's what you do at a spelling bee uh, we'll take a break we come back we've got Don Fisher standing by it's Greek oh <laughs> Oh, look at you boasting over there. you got that big smile. You you don't realize how far your chest just puffed out when you said, it's Greek. I'm yeah, right. Yeah, you did. You, you had that boastful pose. Uh, Don Fisher, legendary voice of the Hoosiers, joining us next for our 15 minutes with Fish. Still on the way, we'll talk to Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files about the Pacers. It is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. You're listening to The Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to The Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix four to six. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy, and it is that time. Every week we get to spend 15 minutes with legendary Hall of Fame broadcaster of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher. It's our 15 minutes with fish presented, as always, by Cruzy Automotive Service. Madonna was a heck of a week of Indiana basketball, but both men and women. And, you know, we've got a chance this week to really give credit where credit is due. What a job Terry Morin has done building this Indiana women's basketball program. Uh, I mean, they are legitimately a national power, and they had one heck of a great week.
2: They did. There's no question about that. Two wins this week. Uh, The most important one was over Ohio State, a ball club that was ranked, I think, number two when they faced them. And they beat them at home before 10,455 fans, which is the largest regular season crowd ever to see an Indiana women's basketball game they did have more than that for a post season appearance last year but uh that said uh, this this performance by these women this year has been special it was last year as well Terry Moore and as you uh, so uh obviously uh, giving her credit uh, it's all because of her she has done a remarkable job at Indiana in the years that she's been there rebuilding this program building it up to the power that they are right now and this is just a really good women's basketball team. If you watch them play, they are fun to watch. They play really hard at the defensive end of the floor. They are very talented offensively, and they have different kids stepping up in each ball game. Uh, uh, the uh, girl from Israel uh, is just a terrific player. Uh, Yarden uh, Garzon is her name, and obviously she's she was special in that Ohio State performance. But it's uh, the whole team has just done a tremendous job. Mackenzie Holmes is an All-American, as far as I'm concerned, in the middle. Uh, and they just got a great bunch of role players on top of that. So you really got to be proud of what Indiana women's basketball has accomplished here over the last several years.
1: And the men have uh, basically said, hold my beer. Because Well, I shouldn't say that. But they, they basically don't want to be overlooked. What what another uh, solid week for Indiana men's basketball. Starts on the road, and no road game is easy in the Big Ten, and it becomes even more challenging when you have to do it without your head coach. And uh, I was trying to figure this one out, Don. I was a little concerned. I was trying to figure <laughs> out the math and thinking, okay, uh, Monday he does a coach's show and on wednesday he's quote recovering from covid uh but, but he uh, didn't do the coaches show, oh okay he i literally I
2: he, well he he was not diagnosed with it based on what i've been told he did not get diagnosed with it until tuesday so uh and he was actually on monday in new jersey for a, a funeral um, of Chris Ford, I don't know if you know the name, but oh, yeah. Ford was a great NBA guy, uh, and one of the people I think that Coach. Mike was first hired by. So that said, uh, he was diagnosed on on sometime either late Monday or Tuesday morning with COVID, and that's why he was not allowed to participate in the ball game uh, against on Wednesday against Minnesota. So. Um, Mike, Mike Woodson was not available, so your coaching staff uh, took over. Kenya Hunter, uh, Yaseer Rosemond, and Brian Walsh, the three assistant coaches. Uh, Yaseer was basically the head guy because it was his scout for the ball game. So that caused some little consternation there for this Indiana basketball team. Uh, and then on top of that, they allowed Minnesota to hang in there in the first half. And the next thing you know, Minnesota has all kinds of confidence, and they're playing great basketball. Thank goodness for Trace Jackson-Davis, who was just spectacular against the Gophers. 25 points, 21 rebounds, six block shots, two assists in the ball game. He did virtually everything, and he's the first major conference player since uh, Hashim Thabit from Connecticut back in 2009 to record a 25-25-5 game. Uh, So just a tremendous performance by Trace Jackson Davis.
1: I said before the game, you don't worry too much about this Minnesota offense, especially with the lineup they were putting out there. With the exception of Jamison Battle, I said the only thing that could hurt Indiana is if Battle gets hot. Boy, there was a streak there in that second half where I thought those words are coming out to be pretty prophetic.
2: Well, he shot uh, four for nine from three-point range, but most of those threes went down in the second half. As you point out, he had a 20-point performance. Uh, He just got hot, and when you let a guy get hot, it helps the other guys. All of a sudden, that confidence level uh, really is different, and Minnesota played Indiana differently, I think, than any team Indiana's played this year. They basically tried to take 20 seconds off the clock before they ever started their offense. Especially in the second half, they did it almost in every possession. So they were hanging in there with Indiana simply because they shortened the ball game, uh, and it was just because Indiana, uh, with Trace Jackson Davis's performance, what he was doing out there, was able to pull it out at the end. Uh, and it was a, it was a thriller in that sense because it went right down to the wire. Indiana was actually behind by three points, I think, at one point in the last minute. Uh, so they had some work to do, and they obviously got it done. And that's another good sign for this Indiana basketball team, right? I mean, they—they've You have to learn how to win, especially on the road, and you have to be able to take a game down to the end, and then you've got to finish it. And Indiana certainly did that in this contest.
1: Of course, they started and finished on the home game against Ohio State. How do you get a more consistent Jalen hood Shafino? after the 2-for-11 against Minnesota? He comes back and was just terrific for the Hoosiers on Saturday night. 8-of-12 from the field, 6-of-9, three-point shooting. That is something the Hoosiers love to see, especially with Tracy Jackson Davis doing what he's doing. But is this just part of uh, the growing pains being a freshman? Is there a way to get more consistent? Consistency out of Jalen hood Shafino.
2: Well, I think the thing, you know, from a point guard perspective, you're not you're not generally going to score 20 points a ball game. Your job as a point guard is to run the offense, to get the ball where it needs to go, try to get it fed inside to, to Trace Jackson-Davis, who's your strength and and the inside game and. But obviously, he's had some games where he didn't shoot it particularly well. But he's also had games in which he just went out there and did what was available to him. Uh, this is a smart kid, and uh, he's done a really, really good job most of the season. He's had a couple of ball games where he's turned the ball over too much, which is just typical of a freshman. But at the same time, uh, I like what I see from this kid. He's a special player. Uh, you, you, as a freshman, doing what he's doing, Pretty spectacular, and on top of that, he went into the Ohio State ball game sick as a dog. I mean, literally, uh, both ends were working, and it was not a good thing. And he still went out there, and then he scores twenty points in the first half with six three pointers, which is just spectacular all by itself. So, uh, and and you know, Trace Jackson Davis in this ball game had eighteen points and ten rebounds, and everybody said, "Well, that wasn't a great ball game for Trace." <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of tells you in regard to how he's playing right now because he's been absolutely spectacular in this five-game winning streak.
1: Well, and six assists. Which I think yeah. is pretty important, because if exactly. they're going to send the double, he's got to be able to find guys open, and they've got to hit shots. And when you get six assists, it means both things are working. Uh, what about the freshmen? All of a sudden, we're seeing some contributions uh, deeper into the bench. Renew seems to be coming uh, of, own, of his own, and, and Caleb Banks came off the bench and had kind of a surprise 12 minutes against Ohio State.
2: Well, and I think that's a really good thing. I, I think uh, Caleb has been learning the system. I think it's taken him a while to figure things out. Uh, he hasn't had great opportunities here of late uh, to play much, and for him to come into that ball game against Ohio State, where Mike Woodson said I'm, I, I was going I thought he, he deserved to get a chance. So He's been practicing well and practice those kinds of things. He's been paying attention. So obviously, uh, Caleb came in and he did give him some really good things. And he is a tremendous athlete. He's probably the second best athlete in this team, uh, to George Geronimo, which George Geronimo didn't play in the Ohio State game because he's aggravated a leg injury that he's dealt with before. So he didn't even play. So Caleb got his opportunity and took advantage of it. He didn't do anything crazy out there. He didn't take a bunch of shots that he couldn't make or any of those kinds of things. In fact, he was two for three from the field. And he pulled down seven rebounds in those few minutes that he did play. So you got to give him a lot of credit. And you're right. Malik Renew, uh, you know, kind of plateaued there after about the first 10, 12 games of the season. Uh, he kind of plateaued a little bit. Didn't look like the same player that we saw early on. And now all of a sudden here in the last several ball games, in fact, during this winning streak, he started to play much better. He had 10 first half points against Minnesota and they didn't play him hardly, but about two minutes in the second half which I don't understand that, but they said it was because of matchups. Mm-hmm. So whatever the reason was, he didn't get much of an opportunity in that contest outside of the first half, but he was spectacular when he did play. So his 15 points in this ball game, including a three-pointer, incidentally, were really fun to watch.
1: I look at the Big Ten standings. This looks crazy to me. I feel like I've entered some kind of time warp. When you look at uh, teams like uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Ohio State all sitting in the bottom five, and in the top three, you've got Northwestern and Rutgers.
2: Well Rutgers is not so much the surprise but Northwestern certainly is. They are 6 and 3 in the year including that win over Indiana that uh, kind of got Indiana uh, on the downturn for uh, two or three ball games there but but Northwestern's playing great. Chris Collins has done a great job with that program but you're right. It's a little bit surreal and Purdue has lost only one time all year long and of course Purdue is on the schedule this week on Saturday uh, prior or after the Maryland ball game which Indiana plays tomorrow night in. uh, College Park. So that's going to be a test for this Indiana basketball team. It's going to be a tough week. There's no question about it. Uh, Maryland's lost only one time this year in the Xfinity Center, and they're playing some of their best basketball now with a couple of new faces on their roster uh, from the transfer portal. Um, And Jameer Young uh, is leading them in scoring. Uh, he's a point guard and plays really, really strong, and it's going to be a test. I think this will be a, a, one of those ball games where Indiana cannot afford to be looking ahead in any way, shape, or form toward Purdue on Saturday because Maryland can beat you, and they've been beating everybody at home, and they've been doing it soundly.
1: Real quick, Don, I know you did not get a chance to watch the television broadcast. You were a little busy during the game, but uh, they did a mic'd up with the officials and even went into the locker room at halftime with uh, the officials, and I found it huh. kind of fascinating when they got the ipad out they were reviewing their first half calls discussing how they might call the game a little differently in the second half really really insightful if you get a chance to see it it's great stuff but i thought the best comment on the mic'd up was when one of the officials walked over to karstensen and said uh, bucket list item as he looked at the crazy crowd at assembly hall and he said it's it's a bucket list to, to be here
2: that's interesting. I did not. I hadn't heard anything about that. So uh, you're right. I don't get a chance to watch the TV <laughs> during the broadcast, and and I have no way to tape them these days. I've got a different system on my uh. televisions at home, so. <laughs> Uh I'll have to look into that, though. i see if I can find it someplace.
1: Yeah, it was fascinating. Hey, we look forward to talking to you next week. I know you got a plane to t- catch today, and uh, and enjoy the trip to Maryland. Pick up a road dub, and then we all look forward to that big one coming up this Saturday at uh, Assembly Hall, Simon Scott Assembly Hall, as the Purdue Boilermakers come in. Appreciate it as always, Don.
2: Thank you, Brett. Appreciate it.
1: Don Fisher joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Of course, our 15 Minutes with Fish presented, as always, by Cruzy Automotive Service. You can get to Cruzy right now for an oil change at just $19.90. That's a regular five-quart oil change, full service at Cruzee Automotive Service. Tell them the Sports Rush sent you. Cruzee on Lima Road, north of and south of Till, right behind the Shell gas station. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. You're listening to the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM watching the indiana ohio state game on saturday night fascinating what fox did in miking up the officials and then being able to follow them into the locker room at halftime where they had the ipad out and they were scanning through looking at different specific plays and calls throughout the first half to determine number one did they get it right and then number two to talk about how the game was playing out And kind of set up a game plan of how they were going to call it in the second half. In fact, you heard the one official say, I'm letting him bang into him on the first time. But the second time, I'm blowing the whistle. And sure enough, Ray Thompson got called for an offensive foul backing in from the low post. It was uh, fascinating. If you didn't see it, I don't know if it's available somewhere on YouTube. But it was a great insight into what is going on with the officials during the course of a game. Right now we are joined on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline by Scott Agnes from the Field House Files. I know Scott, you've got a number of things on your plate that keep you busy. Did you happen to catch that at all on Saturday night?
0: The, the IU game? Yeah. Or what what was that? Yeah, I I was there.
1: Oh, well then you didn't see it on TV. Fox did something that was fantastic. Fox actually okay. mic'd up the officials and then followed them into the locker room or into the official's room at halftime, and it showed them going through the iPad, looking at all the specific calls they had in the first half, and kind of evaluating, self-evaluating whether or not they got the calls right, if they had to change the way they were calling anything in the second half. Fascinating insight into uh, what goes on with the officials. Uh, Kudos to Fox for covering that. Uh, Scott, I know we've got you on to talk Pacers basketball. That's what we really want to talk about. And uh, and let's talk about the big news from the Pacers because it's been an area we've discussed most of the season. What was going to ultimately happen with Miles Turner? Well, now we know Miles Turner has signed an extension. Does this mean he remains a Pacer? <laughs>
0: yes, it does, at least in the short term. But I, I will go back, by the way, to that official thing. I did miss it, unfortunately. That does sound great. I can also tell you, if you watch officials between timeouts, they'll oftentimes go to the scores table and write down a note. So they'll write down 239 remaining block charge, and then that helps them to go back and look at it when they're back in the locker room to reevaluate. Those are some of the things that I see even courtside. But, yes, in terms of miles, they're not – well, this does make his number actually more enticing, I think, to trade partners, at least for this season – I don't think we even needed to, we don't need to discuss Miles. Does he, is he here? Whatever. He's here. He's part of this group and they want to charge forward with that intention of a core of Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, and Miles Turner.
1: What changed along the way?
0: Him and Tyrese playing together. The basers loved the numbers. They loved how those two played off each other. Tyrese, no doubt, has made Miles a better, more comfortable player. And then on top of that, remember we didn't see Miles and Tyrese play together last year because Miles didn't finish the season due to injury. And the trade with Sacramento happened after that fact, so this was the first opportunity they wanted to see what those guys and others look like around each other. And so Miles, now playing with easily the best point guard in his career, has flourished and has had a career season just far. And both he and the Pacers believe he still has even a higher ceiling to go
1: what were the talks like as far as both sides because there was a point where miles turner expressed that maybe he wanted to be somewhere else and there was a time that it was rumored the pacers were trying to negotiate a deal to ship him out of town so how do you make up for that where where do the talks start how do they finish for both sides believing that this is in their best interest
0: yeah, so I think you go back to last offseason, and that's where the Pacers were signaling and telling everyone, hey, we're rebuilding. Be prepared for a very down year where we're at a lottery team once again. So when you're in that case, that means not a lot has gone your, your way, right? Brett? So you're considering things. And so I think they were very interested in, in working a deal maybe even with the Lakers to get back more draft capital, and that would have been, you know, potentially a couple first-round picks from the Lakers down the road. You're considering all those different things. Then when none of those you know, happened and you start the season, all right, now you really want to see what these guys look like, Tyrese in particular in this conversation with Miles, with this playing Rick style where it's more five out. It features a big that can shoot it. He wants every player on the floor to launch threes. And so I, I think the way in which they've played, how quickly they've come together, Tyrese is number one, but Miles has had a huge impact in all of this. Then combine that, with the fact that the pacers are in a unique situation where they have an, an incredible cap space to still use this season which allows them to do something very rare in the nba which is this isn't just a contract extension it's a renegotiation so it's opening up his last his current contract adding uh, like 17 million to it by the way pacers have about 25 million in cap space they have to spend at least 15 million to get over the salary floor this year and they're they're just one of two teams with cap space that's why you don't see this very often and so by doing so they pay him they are pay him about what 31 million i want to say 35 million this season and then his cap number his cap hit really helps you moving forward because you're going to probably agree to a max contract with tyrese halliburton this summer that'll kick in the following summer so when his big his number skyrockets to i don't know 30 40 million per year Miles is only costing you twenty million, which is like a million more on your salary cap than he is right now. So it's very favorable to the Pacers and for Miles, it's nearly sixty million in guaranteed money. He'll be twenty-nine, and there surely will uh, be—I mean, everybody expects for the new TV deal to kick in that off-season, that summer. Well, that means an influx of cash will hit the salary cap, and players who will be free agents are—they stand to benefit. So that's how Miles sees it.
1: I wanted to ask you about the new tv deal because yeah everybody assumes when there's new tv deal it's more money but what's going on with the bally's regional networks how is that going to impact the nba we've heard about it with baseball but is there any kind of carryover into the nba
0: i don't think we've had a ton of clarity on that situation right in terms of diamond sports group which owns the valley sports and all of those This is just me speculating here, but I could see a day here in a year or two or whatever when all those uh, where teams own their networks. I think the Washington Wizards own their own network, for example. Uh, The Los Angeles Clippers are doing a lot of streaming, and that makes sense because their owner, Steve Ballmer, he got his money with Microsoft, so he's tech advanced. They've upgraded NBA League Pass this year, but as we see these regional sports networks, they get their most money through live rights. Well, right now... It's only the cable partners that are, you know, doing deals with them. Like I have YouTube TV, like many of your listeners, and I can't watch Pacer games, you know, road games through that. That's an issue. They need to make games more widely available. The reason you see NFL, for one, succeeding in large part is also due to it's being over the air. It's over the national network. So there's no barrier to entry. So I think there's some speculation going on that maybe this would be a worthwhile investment as NBA teams get bigger and have – larger wallets why don't they bring the broadcasting rights in-house and can control that but will that happen or not i don't know that might be a little bit outside my scope but i can see that the, that being the way it's going
1: the uh pacers uh, i guess presumably getting some good news as far as tyrese halliburton sounds like he's getting uh, in some work and his return could be sooner rather than later
0: yeah tyrese isn't wanting to miss much time at all i mean we've We've seen them ever since he went out for that New York game. They've dropped 10 of 11, 11 of 12, if you count that New York game. Just look like a very different team without him. He's on the court. He's doing a lot of things, not everything in terms of taking contact against, you know, teammates and stuff, but he's shooting very well. This, the good news is, is his offhand elbow. It's his left elbow that's sprained. His knee, which was also, uh, had suffered a bone bruise then, um, seems to be in good shape not causing issues, not having swelling. Um, So I I have a hard time, Brett, believing he won't be available at least for Friday. That's the Kings. That's the reunion game, Hmm. the only time for them in town. I have a hard time believing he'll maybe try to do that back-to-back. I'm not sure that might be the smartest thing, but it's also the Lakers. So the team is planning or hoping for him to return by the end of the week, but nothing is settled just yet. They have two more practice days to determine that.
1: Well, and you mentioned the Lakers, and there was a time about uh, three, four weeks ago where I was kind of doing the math, thinking, eh, maybe LeBron could set that record mm-hmm. here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Not going to happen, uh, doesn't look like now, but uh, you're going to have a chance to welcome LeBron into Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I don't know if you get any kind of media availability, but we could tell him to not act like such a crybaby. Did, did you see... <coughs> that that scene he put on against the Celtics the other night, yeah, he might have gotten touched by a finger, but, uh, man, it looked like some kind of soccer play going on. He's got a, you know, that that was a little overly dramatic. It was an
0: accumulation is what that was, Brett, because there's been three or four calls over the last month or two where he felt they should have gotten fouled, has photo evidence of it, and I think that was him reaching a boiling point. It was not just the lack of the call where he was clearly fouled on Tatum. It was the accumulation of that. The uh, but I, I did laugh, though, by the way. The NFL NBA referees put out a statement on Twitter, hey, we're not perfect, we get it wrong. Yeah. They haven't done that when you know the Pacers have been hit with so many last-two-minute report issues, right, if you remember those in the last two years, where I think they were short-sighted on, on you know what felt like eight of ten games during the stretch. No, this is because it's the Lakers, it's because it's LeBron, It's because they garner that national attention.
1: Absolutely. And uh, for the Pacers, um, the issues. I mean, it it is Halliburton, but you've got to be good enough to overcome one guy at least. And it seems like, uh, you know, it's up, it's down. It's a good half, then a bad half. What, you know, what are the issues the Pacers have right now?
0: Number one, their starts. They have been horrendous. I mean, the one exception was, yesterday against memphis but i guess the strong start didn't get you anywhere got you a double digit lead you took it into halftime and then you got outplayed and and couldn't really get into your offense at all but i would say big picture it does start with the way they've started games i think they've used 16 different starting lineups have not really figured that out and and then from there it's just been a mismatch a, a mismatch of players trying to figure it out i think big picture they're also missing kind of the wing that's the one area that they really need to upgrade whether it's at the trade deadline but more likely in the offseason maybe it's through the draft when they have at least three first round picks right now is they need that prototype six foot eight two-way player right that can score but also can defend and take on the opponent's best player now Aaron Nesmith stepped up you've asked a lot of rookie Andrew Nemhard this season he's starting guarding the best Player on the opposing team. Um and then it's just getting guys reps because what we have seen is rookie Benedict Matherin continue to elevate his game. I think he's in double figures, five straight games. He was the only one that got it going offensively mm-hmm. last night. Uh and you just need other guys to step up and the two guys I think about specifically uh are Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith, who now essentially are alternating which game they are being played in.
1: Gotta ask you a quick yes or no. Is McConnell a possible uh trade deal? I don't believe so. Appreciate no. it, Scott. Uh, we're up against the clock, so i got to let you go, but we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thanks, Brett. Yep. Scott Agnes joining us. Fieldhouse Files. We'll take a break. It's the Sports Rush at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Coming up tomorrow, more tickets to the Fort Wayne Boat Show. We've got four packs every day this week here on the Sports Rush. Uh, that was fascinating in the IU game. The broadcast on Fox... Miking up the officials going in and they got out the iPad and they were sitting in their little officials room with the iPad and they had almost like thumbnails where they could go through every call through the first half and they'd say let's take a look at that block charge let's take a look at this let's take a look at this and uh, and then kind of discussing what they were going to do as far as their approach to the second half and a lot of games you do see they're called much tighter in the second half than maybe they did in the first half and now we know. Maybe why? That will do it for us on this Monday edition of the Sports Rush. Don't forget, coming up next, we've got Matt Painter and the Matt Painter Coaches Show, the number one team in the country as Purdue gets set to take on Penn State midweek and then on the road to Assembly Hall this Saturday to take on Indiana. Thanks to our guest, Sam King from the Lafayette Journal and Courier. Also, Don Fisher. Don Fisher and scott agnes we're back tomorrow four to six another edition of the sports rush on 1380 the fan and 100.9 fm